Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Mortgage Fundamentals. I am your host, Daniel Mosqueda, and I am joined today by Adrian Arnielis. How are you doing, Adrian? Good, Daniel. How are you? I'm doing well, man. So thank you for joining me today. I know we've been talking about doing this for a minute, but I really appreciate you. Yeah, we finally made it happen. Yeah, I'm glad we finally made it happen, man. Um, so today, we're going to be going over a few topics for some of our future home buyers. Um, initially, just helping them with what? the Navigating the mortgage process application, right? Yeah, it's, it's uh, well, for first-time buyers, it's never easy. And then mm -hmm. for the term buyers, it seems like everybody forgets about it. Yeah. So it's yeah. always good to talk about it. Yeah, when it comes to purchasing a home in the process, it's like someone who has an elephant brain for a second yeah. or a memory for, of an elephant in a sense. Um, but this is essentially like the most important part of the process, in my opinion. You know what I mean? It's because when it's it's the actual process that things actually start to feel real. Right. Yeah, I know. It really is because, uh, you know, on the, on the real estate side, mm -hmm. it, doesn't get done well mm -hmm. from the beginning it mm -hmm. becomes a nightmare at the end. yeah 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 so, <laughs> get your ducks lined up beforehand 110 yeah I, I i understand that feeling because i know that some people want to rush yeah. this you know what i mean and it seems like they want to run before they walk mm -hmm. and they want to tell you to take them out and look at places before they even yeah sat down to really think about it well, well that too um mm -hmm. in the old days and i said old days you know, like <laughs> 2009 2010 making us feel um, old bro uh, it's, <laughs> it's the truth though i mean it's it's you know it's it's kind of the the sweet spot of it is we've been through you know some of the bad stuff mm -hmm. so but in the old days like sometimes uh, you just get pre-approvals just because and and you're breathing mm -hmm. and your body um and yeah. and what sucked is that then we went out you know with this pre-approval that they had and mm -hmm. and it turned out it wasn't it was, really, more, it was just a piece of paper yeah yeah and so yeah uh, having somebody to actually you know does it right from the beginning is, mm -hmm. is very, very important. Yeah. It's, I think, making sure that you take the first steps, but you actually do it correctly, like you said, is going to be key to a successful closing in a sense. Yes. And it's going to be key to keeping your head attached to your shoulders because then you're not running around last minute trying to figure things out. You know what I mean? Because sometimes yeah, fires yeah, happen. Happens. Yeah. 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 I mean, hundred percent. Like, there's something's always gonna happen, mm -hmm. but the less that there is, it's the better. Mm -hmm. And then when you're out shopping, you just you know you feel more confident. Mm -hmm. That's all been taken care of. Yeah. And so it's all the above. Yeah. Yeah. Confidence is key. I think I talk about confidence a lot in these podcasts, and it's it's true, man. Like, going into a house, you're scared, but if you can feel even slightly more confident, yeah, that makes it yeah, yeah. a world's better. You know, as a buyer, it empowers you to at mm -hmm. least uh, have a little bit of leverage, you know, depending mm -hmm. on the situation. Mm -hmm. But, you know, as a, as a strong buyer, mm -hmm. it, it definitely helps when it comes to contingencies and all those other things. Yeah, absolutely, man. So, in a sense, we were talking about like the mortgage or the key topics that we're going to be talking about for the mortgage application process is first the initial consultation, yes. which is both going to, we're going to talk about it both on the loan side and a little bit on the real estate side. Okay. Um, and then we'll talk about gathering the proper uh, documentation that you're going to need, okay. um, which includes like pay stubs, income statements, and all that other stuff. And then the final thing is basically making sure that we talk about the submission and making sure that you understand how important it is to submit a very accurate application into your loan officer okay. all right so let's start with the initial consultation so one of those things let's start off with your side because most of the time or nine times out of ten most buyers do not reach out to a lender first they reach out to a real estate agent yeah. so how does that kind of look on your end uh well you know what on my um on my side uh most of my clients 
come from referrals and I think most agents, uh, mm-hmm. that's kind of the way it works. So usually, you know, we get that call or the message and mm-hmm. we kind of start, you know, giving a little bit of an idea of, you know, what's going to be needed or mm-hmm. what they're looking for. For me personally, I always, you know, first gather data on, you know, what they want, the, the consumer, like, you know, what kind of house they like. Mm-hmm. What's the idea? What's their dream like? Because mm-hmm. to me, then, you know, that's the motivator, right? So then mm-hmm. I already have a little bit of a basis because somebody referred them to me. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't necessarily mean, you know, like, you know, they're going to be 100%, you know, good to go. Mm-hmm. But at least it gives me a little bit better to just, you know, have that confidence with them and mm-hmm. the trust that it will probably be reciprocated. Mm-hmm. Um, and so from there, you just, I, I, I get an idea of what they want. And then we start talking about prices and what that home entails, what area, location, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, and once, you know, all those things are kind of set and I have an idea of what they want to do. Mm-hmm. And that's when I bring up and like, well, have you, you know, been pre-qualified? Have you spoken to a uh, mortgage lender? Have you, you know, do you have an idea of what you want to do? Yeah. Um, you know, and then lately what I asked is like, do you know what you, they're thinking of your monthly payment? Yeah. Cause everybody has a really, uh, obscure <laughs> number <laughs> yeah. i want this five hundred thousand dollars thousand dollar house for 1500 bucks a month pretty much yeah pretty much yeah i think it, from your case when you're talking about like them being referrals and stuff it yeah. does kind of ease into that conversation because the one thing that most buyers don't do beforehand or don't have an experience of doing is vetting yeah. some of that. So it's kind of been pre-vetted, especially if they're referrals, because you've worked with other people at that Correct. point, right? Yeah. So then they understand or they're going to get their opinion of you from them. So that kind of sets the oh, yeah. groundwork it, for it. Is, it. Uh, it is, uh, I'll say, uh, well, for me, very difficult. I'm, I'm super not salesy at all. Mm-hmm. So yeah. when I get a you know cold call or that type of thing, um, mm-hmm to ease into it and, and be able to provide the information, mm-hmm. um, you know, that they're looking for, uh, mm-hmm. always takes longer. Yeah. Uh, and then there's always, you know, the, the doubt on their side and like, are they telling me the, you know, the, the real thing or yeah. what it is? Yeah. So the consultations with people that weren't referred, um, mm-hmm. typically are a bit different mm-hmm. in the sense that you have to go a little more into detail mm-hmm. and just ask more questions. Uh, mm-hmm. and then just, Ultimately, for me, is to actually just get them to uh, meet in person, just mm-hmm. to have a, a better idea of you know what they're looking for. Yeah, uh, and it's still that still takes a, a little bit longer to still build that rapport there with them. Yeah, I think um, with the world being so connected via internet mm-hmm. or social media, I think it's still really important for you to vet even your agent in person. Yeah, you know what I mean, because you're going to be spending time with them. You're not going to be looking at houses virtually mm-hmm. most of the time, right? You're going to be in a car or meeting at homes on a regular basis until you find the pro- home you want. Um, you're going to be talking to this person for the next few months through both the loan process and the home buying process. And you may even be talking to them afterwards, just depending on the type of home you get. Maybe they're referring you other people to help you fix the stuff, yep. you know. Um, but it's really important, like I said, to really sit down and have that conversation with them because they're going to have a better understanding of who you are as a person. And if they want to spend that time with you and you're going to have a better understanding of who they are personally, which gives you a better idea of what they might be actually looking for in a home yeah. and what they might, what might be a want mm-hmm. versus a need. Yeah. In yeah. a sense. I mean, it, it, it's always different. And a lot of times, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, it, it, we're kind of skipping forward already to, you know, go and see homes. But a lot of times that discovery process is the first uh, trip we take out to, to look at houses. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get to find out more about, you know, what they said versus what they express mm-hmm. yeah and sometimes that's different yeah yeah absolutely man like i <laughs> i can definitely agree because i know i was that kind of person i i was like i think when we went to go fight buy our first house mm-hmm. we thought we were going to go condo yeah 
didn't turn out condo, didn't turn out townhouse. It turned out, you know, home is probably the better option for us because it is two different things. What what you say, what you think you want Mm -hmm. versus what you actually actually want or what you see in a home. You know what I mean? So I find something new on the process of looking. Exactly. Exactly. You might learn something new about yourself. (laughs) It happens a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Self-discovery of purchasing a home. Um, but all right. So for the initial consultation, I think you mentioned at the end that at that point, that's when you asked them if they did a pre-approval. Um, and I'm pretty sure like for most part, most real estate agents offer them uh, a variety of lenders that they can choose from. Right. Yeah. And at that point, you get to either talk to all of them and figure out who's going to be best for you and then like, all that other stuff. Yeah. Um, so once we get to that point, the initial consultation, at least from what I like to do, is really have a conversation with the client at first. Right. So I'm on the phone with them, or if we made an in-person, uh, what is it, appointment? I like to make sure that I understand what their reason or motivation, like you mentioned earlier, is, right? Are you purchasing this home because it's a goal of yours? Is it going to be a primary home? Is this going to be your second home? Is it going to be uh, an investment property? Are you doing it because you're starting a family? Are you doing it because you're young and you think this is going to be like the best way for you to start your portfolio? Maybe you want to get into real estate investment in the future. It's really trying to get down to the nitty gritty as to what you want, right? What are your future goals? Not just right now, but what do you plan on doing and how can, um, what are you going to be doing with this home in the future in a sense, right? Um, So if you're doing something like, or even relocation, right? It could be somebody who's coming in from a different state. And they may own another home out there, but they got found a, their dream job in a sense, maybe in Las Vegas, you know, yeah. and they're moving out here. Um, the other thing is we're going to see um, where are you financially, right? Um, everybody, a lot of people aren't in the same spot when it comes to finances. No. Some people are better off than others. That's the cold hard truth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and some people are a lot are not that well off when it comes financially, but that doesn't mean it should discourage them from purchasing home. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, and some people are in a better spot than they thought they were. Yeah. Right. Um, and that has a lot to do with the fact that there are a lot of programs out there that can really help people take that first step yeah. into purchasing a home. Um, and then we're going to figure out where that your money's coming from. So there are a lot of different options for people. I think one of them is your own personal cash. Right. The other one is retirement accounts. Uh, it could come from a stock account. It could come from a family member as a gift. There's a lot of different ways that yeah you can come up with that stuff. And, and sometimes it really people don't think about that. Mm-hmm. So it's it's good to have uh, somebody that actually suggests it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> in all honesty, I mean that's one of the things about this, right? You have to overcome a lot of things. Um, and as a lender, I will say this: we have. Clients have put us in really interesting spots before with their finances, mm-hmm. even though we've seen it before and things come up at the end that we've had to, you know, bring up the hard conversations. So like, do you have family members that can probably give you this? Have you talked to your employer about maybe being able to take it out of your pension or your 401k as a loan, et cetera, et cetera. But it's just making sure that you understand or you're educated or know where you, what your options are in terms of being able to get the money necessary for it, you know? Yeah. And seeing if those are even options. For some people, some aren't options. You know, some people are doing this all on their own and they're starting from scratch. Yeah. Um, I, I just, you know, going back, you know, to kind of the early years, um, mm-hmm. I, 
I honestly, as an agent, I had no idea that people could actually use their 401k mm-hmm. to, you know, use it for an out payment. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first time that it happened, um, it was a buyer that uh, I knew them. So mm-hmm. um, they had found a loan officer um, and, you know, they started to speak with them. And then mm-hmm. I just, you know, started speaking with them because usually when they tell me, oh, I already have a loan officer, I'm like, oh, let me find out. Yeah. <laughs> so then yeah. in the process of speaking about that, and mm-hmm. sometimes us as agents, mm-hmm. um, it's kind of weird to speak about the money. Yeah. It's kind of weird to ask them. They're like, hey, you know, how? so it's typically we kind of have an idea of where they're at, but mm-hmm. realistically, uh, most times the loan officer is going to be the one who, who finds out. Yeah, because most of the time, like, it's not my... I'm not talking to you about their finances because that's their personal finances. And most of the time we try to keep everything separate and it really, and there are some clients or some exceptions where clients will talk to their agents yeah. about so, their finances. There's a way, way up front. They mm-hmm. kind of tell you exactly. You know, sometimes more up front with their agent than they are with their lender financially. Yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but the case being is that it's good for the agents to have some idea of some of these things too, because a, it, helps it can help us as a loan officer if maybe we're like over we're overthinking some things and didn't think about it and then they just bring it up um the other thing is it's really good for you guys in a sense because uh when you guys are talking to your clients and we suggest something you already know that you can reassure them that those are the options right right? and then going back to the whole 401k situation Mm -hmm. it's it's actually one of the great options i think a lot of people and i know this is a little off topic on topic situation Mm -hmm. but it's an option that a you're borrowing against your 401k at no interest mm-hmm. or your retirement account at no interest for the yep. most part, from my understanding. And B, we don't have to actually count it against your debt to income, meaning it's not going to affect mm-hmm. your, your overall loan. And we'll talk about that in the future ones, but it's really, really, yeah, no, I mean, it's a, it's a win-win, um, mm-hmm. you know, because you hear a lot like, Oh, you know, don't pull from your 401k, because, mm-hmm. you know, the downsides of all of it right mm-hmm. um and in, in retrospect any other people that they ever did that without my suggestion it was mm-hmm. came from somewhere else or their own idea of it mm-hmm. um they fared off really well yeah um, and i mean you know like not anybody in the last uh you know year or two just because of circumstances mm-hmm. but um it, it was a great idea then and the way that everything turned out it mm-hmm. was a great investment i mean you can beat that yeah yeah especially if you did it during 2020 your great investment just Oh yeah, because I, mean, I because I, I saw it in 2015. Yeah, I saw it in uh, 16, 17, 18. Like mm-hmm. people doing that, and and it wasn't the entire amount, but mm-hmm. if you you know take into again retrospect like the amount that you're borrowing against mm-hmm. it, and mm-hmm. you're paying it back anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, then it's a win win. Yeah, and it's probably better, like I said, because you're it's like a it's at basically no cost to you, mm-hmm. right? If you were to borrow that money from a bank or oh, yeah. Yeah. a lender. And people always, always ask that question. Like, mm-hmm. Oh, you know, can I just get a loan? So I get, yeah. <laughs> we'll talk about that later, but don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Before you do anything, always talk to your lender before you make any financial decision, especially when it comes to purchasing a home. So yeah. on to the next part. But yeah, don't do that. Don't ever do that. Um, let me see. Uh, so the other thing I'll talk to you about is your job situation. Are you employed? Are you retired? Are you planning on retiring soon, right? Um, do you have maybe other forms of investment that gets you income, you know? So we're going to get more into detail as to um, where your income is coming from at this point, you know? Um, and it's always try, it's always good to try to be as straightforward with your lender as possible. Don't 
try to make it all like sugar and candy stuff and over exaggerate stuff because if it's not correct, then it's not going to be correct. And we're going to be doing our own calculations, yeah. but it's also good for you because you don't want to over give us information in terms of what you think your income <laughs> is. And then you think you're going to be able to purchase a $500,000 home when you can really purchase like 350, 400,000. Yeah. Right. So it's a little discouraging mm -hmm. from my point of view. And especially when you see the differences in houses at that price range. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, and the last the other thing we're going to be talking about is credit. So, for the most part, I, I ask people about their credit up front just to have an idea if they know where they're at, but also to make them feel a little bit more comfortable when I'm going to ask them to run the credit later, because then if they, if they're uncomfortable, a little shy about the credit afterwards, you know, it kind of yeah. breaks the ice on that. Um, and then the final thing I think we were going to mention is, do you have any kind of substantial debt, right? There's, there's a lot these days, especially car payments. Like that is the biggest. Yeah. $1,000 car payment. I've seen $1,000 car payments. That's wild. $1,200 car payments. I'm like, that used to be a rent. Yeah, that used to be a mortgage. <laughs> yeah, that used to be a mortgage. I think everybody spend their money however they want, but yeah. that's it's crazy. Um, we have student loan debts these days. That's a big that's a big one, especially for millennials. Um, people uh, may have anywhere between $20,000 in student loan debt up to nearly $200,000, I think I've seen before. Yeah. So we... We'll definitely discuss those things. Got anything on that? Um, no, I mean, <laughs> there's always surprises with cars, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> because uh, as agents, yeah. right, when we get to, uh, you know, speak with them. Yeah. Uh, and then just this is sometimes I, I do this, right? So again, they're referrals. And for mm -hmm. me, if I do a consultation in the office, or if yeah. I do a call, uh, consultation yeah. at a house yeah. that they say that, you know, they liked or whatever, mm -hmm. but I have to notice you know, like they come with a car. I'm like, oh, you know, like mm -hmm. it looks like a normal car. Yeah. You could definitely probably not have a payment on that one. Yeah. If I see a big car, I'm like, oh, yeah. So then at least it gives me a little bit of, uh, of data to, you know, reference back to the yeah. lender and let them know. Um, you hey, know this guy car, rolled up in a Rolls Royce. <laughs> <laughs> so, but you also, you never know because I, I've seen, you know, somebody yeah. have an extremely nice vehicle. Yeah. They just, they didn't have a payment. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, they just kind of bought it at the right time. And, yeah. A great price and, and you just never know yeah. but nevertheless it's, it's one of those things that comes up mm -hmm. and i've also seen people like all of a sudden like oh i co-signed for my cousin co-signing always like, the co-signing you know, and and so those things just like you know they they, they start to, to to take away mm -hmm. you know their buying power mm -hmm. um and it's it's just the reality of what's happening and this is like all it's always been around yeah it happens a lot more than I don't know if it, it does happen often. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, the co-signing thing is one of the things you don't want to do is co-sign for someone when you're in the <laughs> process of purchasing home because you will throw. Yeah. You'll throw your whole application for a loop. Um, always talk to, again, again, I'm always going to bring this up. Always talk to a lender before you do anything like that. Um, just because you're co-signing doesn't mean you're not responsible for it. You're yeah. literally stating in the co-signing document that you are also yeah. responsible for it. So why wouldn't we count it against you, even though you say you're not going to be making the payments? That's cool. That's yeah. good that you're not. Yeah. What are you going to do if they don't make payments? Are you going to just let them default and then mess up your credit? Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, so it's it's uh, always something to consider or really think about if you're going to be doing any kind of co-signing, especially if it's a large car payment. Oh, yeah. You know? Well, nowadays... Yeah, every, everything. Every, so every car is gonna be a large. Payment. Yeah, every car. Your cars cost too much. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, essentially, what the consultation sounds like. Mm -hmm. um, it's basically doing a quick review. I 
Sometimes during the consultation also we'll go over a blanket amount of programs that they might qualify for right after. You know what I mean? I'd be like, okay, this might be your option, but I won't know on this. And so I know this, like you might qualify for this down payment assistance program. Maybe conventional might be the right program for you. Maybe FHA, maybe those programs in general aren't the one for you. Maybe you're more of a alternate alternative form of financing kind of person. And we go over those options, but it's really more or less, um, just me educating you as much as I can and educating myself on you initially from the process. Yeah. So um, same thing for you guys. You're just educating yourself with the clients, right? And it's just the foundation Correct. Yeah. of everything else. Um, but to the next part, we're going to be talking about gathering documentation. Some people really like to get their things set up beforehand. And then some people just like to scramble at the end. Yeah. I'll admit I can be a procrastinator myself when it comes to stuff. But for those that don't want to be a procrastinator and actually want to get things ready ahead of time, um, I've created a a little list of documents you can have ready. And we're going to go over those. So um, let's start off with W2 employees. Um, We'll be doing pay stubs for the past month. And I think W2s for the last two years. And then they'll probably just need bank statements for the last two months in order to make sure we verify all of their deposits. Why do you need bank statements? Why do I need bank statements? <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a question that uh, yeah, why do I, they have, I, I hear a lot. It's, and they're like, well. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. They're looking at me funny like I'm the one who's crazy. Um, to be honest with you, there's multiple reasons we want bank statements. So the, the main one is definitely going to be the fact that people – I need to find out whether you have the funds you say you have. If you tell me you have $20,000, the bank statements are going to tell me if you have $20,000. Or they're going to just deposit it two weeks ago. Oh, (laughs) how was it deposited? In cash or was it a check? Um, That's the other thing. We're going to be checking and verifying for irregular deposits and withdrawals, right? So if, let's just throw a quick example out there. Let's just say you say you work at uh, Bank of America, right? Mm-hmm. or a bank let's just say you work for a big bank yeah. and you're a an assistant manager there right and so that means you're a w-2 employee but all of a sudden i noticed that you're getting semi-daily or daily deposits small little deposits here and there yeah um they're electronic deposits you know what i mean and i'm just like hey what yeah. what is this you know what i mean because this wasn't part of the discussion and fortunately for us we find out that you also sell things like on amazon on mm-hmm. the side Perfectly fine. But what if you're getting all these cash deposits out of nowhere? Then I have to figure out why that is. You know what I mean? Uh, Because my underwriters are going to ask for it. So I need to figure it out beforehand and making sure that we have a plan. Um, And then depending on how big those cash deposits are and how recent they are, there's a good chance I may or may not be able to use that money for your closing costs or your down payment. You know what I mean? So... That's the two main reasons I want your bank accounts. I don't want your bank accounts just to have. And let me just preface this with this. If I don't need it, I'm not going to ask for it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I don't. Less is more, in my opinion. So I don't want more stuff. Um, but yeah, that's why we ask for bank statements. Yeah. No, I mean, and, and, and um, I just say it sarcastically because. It's, uh, it's a fact, I, man. <laughs> people get really like. Weird about it. Well, not everybody, but yeah, there's some a people. good portion of it. They're like, mm-hmm. oh, why do you need to see it? Mm-hmm. Uh, on our side, um, a lot of the times, uh, because, you know, the pricing factor of it. Mm-hmm. So I think sometimes they feel like, oh, you know, 
like he sees that I have this much, he's mm-hmm. probably gonna be more know, aggressive, more to aggressive to you know sell me something higher, and so which you know so sometimes uh, you know part of my consultation is like I'll go as quick mm-hmm. or as slow as you want to go, yeah, uh, and that's part of it as well too, right? If you want to stick to this price range, we'll stick below it. This mm-hmm. is what's out there, mm-hmm. and, and I always kind of bring reassurance of that, mm-hmm. just because. Uh, you know, people are sometimes people are really touchy about yeah their money, which they should be. Uh, but uh, then on the lending side, you know, it's a very important detail because I've had it I've had it where the lender did not check uh, where the down payment money was coming from. Uh, and and problem, and we, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and then time had to be, uh, you know, uh, our friend. And, yeah, and, that and where's your cousins at? Where's your mom with the money? Kind of situation. Yeah. It, it, there's two things to that, right? So it, I don't care for your bank statements if I don't need them, but I, I do need them, right? Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? I lost my train of thought. Nonetheless, <laughs> bank statements are really, really important in this, in this aspect, right? And um, the last thing you want to do is be in contract, and then all of a sudden we find out that you can't use this money. Oh, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. Some people may have – you said that – they don't want you to push them on using all their funds, right? Let's just say that they want to put minimum down, but they have a good amount of money set up or saved up. Um, I'm not going to push people to use the money they don't want to use. You know what I mean? I'll tell you you your options if you did do it, but at the end of the day, this is your transaction. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? If you want to keep that money because you need it for a rainy day, that's that's perfectly fine. That's your money. I'm not going to force you to do something or use the funds you don't want to use. You know what I mean? That's... That's your business. That's your finances. I just need it because I need to verify things and I need to make sure things are going to run smoothly. Yeah. You know, simple one, two, three, let's go. Um, and then my favorite kind of person is um, the people that do send you their bank statements mm-hmm. and then uh, black out everything they don't want you to see. <laughs> um, that is a big no. Please don't do that. I need unaltered. Let me, let me rephrase this. I need two months of bank statements, all pages, unaltered. Without any exceptions, it literally just has to be a bank statement in its most purest form, in a sense. Um, but that's that's key. But that is a big one. Um, so for self-employed borrowers or 1099 borrowers, mm-hmm. um, since you're not going to have pay stubs or W-2s, you're going to have a 1099. So a 1099 employer W or a self-employed borrower, for sure, we're going to need at least two years of these documentations. And with that, we're going to need two years most recent tax returns. Again, all pages. Um, if you're self-employed, but don't have a corporation LLC, it's just going to be your regular tax returns. If you're a corporation or limited partnership, there's going to be more documentation on top that on top of that. Mm-hmm. So we'll need your personal, uh, tax returns and your business tax returns. Okay. Um, and we might, we we'll actually need three months bank statements instead of two months. Um, and then we'll need a year to date profit and loss statement. Now the profit and loss statement is going to be important in this case um, because we're going to be verifying your income for the last two years. But if your year to date, let's just say your last two years show that you made $60,000 a year on average. And then your year to date shows that you made negative $5,000. We're going to have an issue. Um, So make sure your finances are aligned and, you know, taken care of before. Yeah. And that part is uh, one of those things that as, um, well, me as an agent, right? Like mm-hmm. knowing that this stuff comes up mm-hmm. with time, right? Because mm-hmm. with time, people are like, oh, well, you know, I just started my business a year ago. Mm-hmm. I'm doing great. Uh, and then I'm like, oh, okay, excellent. Well, let me, you know, send you to the loan officer and then 
And mm-hmm. then the bad news comes. They're like, well, they've only been in business for a year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, darn. I was like, what? <laughs> so then, you know, and then you learn, you know, little things yeah. as, as it goes because yeah. of those things. Yeah. Um, but it's just, uh, man, it, the, the self-employed is like, the, the loan officer that is going to be, you know, guiding you through that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and whoever is helping you as a self-employed person, mm-hmm. um, they're your best friend. Yeah. If you're going to be a homeowner. Um, yeah. Because it's, yeah. Uh, there's so much detail to it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that you could really, because your tax person doesn't care if you're going to be buying a house or not. Most of the times. Yeah. Most of the time they're not <laughs> asking you if you're going to be doing that. You know what I mean? They're just there to help you pay the least yeah. amount because that's what you pay them for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then all of a sudden you don't make any money. Yeah. You know? Um, but with the self-employed people, two years, usually, yeah, you, you definitely need about two years. Don't be discouraged if it's less than two years. I think 1099, if you're like an independent contractor, sometimes you can get away with one year. Yeah. If you were in that profession beforehand and you just changed yeah. to 1099 or vice versa. Um, but two years is pretty much like, I guess the golden rule or the, the standard yeah in a sense um and people shouldn't be discouraged i mean if you just started a business and the reason they're doing two years is because risk right right you have to be able to pay that loan back Mm -hmm. and 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 those one of those things that well as a a, as a young agent you're like why can this work yeah (laughs) he's he's doing this like it looks like he's doing well yeah 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 uh you know he's showing uh, as uh, these bank statements that look awesome, like, yeah, um, yeah, like, yeah, but you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the reality of it is that you know that's not always gonna be the case, depending on you know whatever's happening. Yeah, not only that, but you, know, you see all types of stuff, um, and so uh, just having a, a good loan officer that could actually you know give them perspective and also mm-hmm. just planning for it mm-hmm. that's the most important thing so yeah. i was like anybody that's like self-employed mm-hmm. but i always tell them that you just have to prepare yep uh, just because if you really want to do it like mm-hmm. you know two years will go by really fast it definitely will um and it's probably a good idea to talk to your tax person that you want to purchase a home mm-hmm. um i know i have a relationship with um a couple of tax people that i've worked with before mm-hmm. and I'll say this: when it comes to being a self, <laughs> when it comes to being a self-employed borrower, yeah. people are going to take advantage, and they should take advantage of the benefits of being a self-employed borrower because there's a lot of tax benefits yeah. to it. Um, but just like you mentioned earlier, and just to kind of give people the ideas, being a self-employed borrower and taking advantage of these tax benefits doesn't translate well into financing, right? Because it let's just. A quick example. Let's just say your business brought in $300,000 last year, mm-hmm. but you wrote it off everything to oblivion and you're only showing that you made $25,000 after yeah. adjusted gross income. I'm not going to base it on the $300,000. <laughs> I'm going to base it on the $25,000 if I'm going conventional or FHA. Yeah. So it's it's really good to understand or have that conversation with your tax person. Yeah to make sure that you're going to be prepared and being able to purchase a home in the price range you want to, and that you can still afford it. You know yeah. what I mean? Don't get crazy and blemish your tax returns where you show you're making more money, you know, but just yeah, no, I be mean, prepared. Uh, I mean, one of the things, right, is that uh, as a business owner, uh, self-employed, you know, whatever it is, a mm-hmm. lot of times, like you have the option to take those deductions, credits, mm-hmm. whatever it is. Right. But mm-hmm. the reality is that if you're going to be buying some properties, mm-hmm you may not want to take them as much as you deserve it yeah, um, yeah. because your goal might be to actually buy the home. So yep. then you have to really weigh your options yep. because if you, 
you know, even if it's the correct thing to do, mm -hmm. you're just going to be harming your opportunity to actually be able to buy. Yep. Uh, so you have to be very conscious of that. And, mm -hmm. and your tax person also has to be very conscious of that because sometimes it's just not in their best interest mm -hmm. for whatever's happening. So yeah. it's definitely uh, knowledge mm -hmm. uh, definitely comes in hand. I think I will say this too. Mm -hmm. Most tax people, as long as you tell them that like you're planning on purchasing a home, they know what to do. Yeah. They know how to, to deal with everything. I, I think the, the oh no, hundred percent. And they can I'm advise you. That, yeah. the, the, the issue is that usually they don't talk about those things. They don't. They don't. Yeah. They don't bring it up. And all of a sudden they want to buy a house this year and their tax person's like, Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh you're insane. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. I'm glad that we're going to be doing this next year where everything gets mm -hmm. fixed up. Um, but yeah, so for long, in in short, yeah, yeah be prepared. Yeah. If you're going to be a business owner or 1099 employee, like just plan more in advance yeah. in a sense. Or even if you're about to be it, you can still talk to a loan officer and they can tell you right about like what ballpark income you might need. But we can't predict the future in terms of interest rates and home prices, but... I mean, I'll be honest, uh, mm -hmm. myself, right? Mm -hmm. um, I, as you could say, like kind of out of my league you know, mm -hmm. before I could even, you know, buy, you know, the house that I wanted or, you know, mm -hmm. something of the sort. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm like, oh, well, let me find out, like, how much do I need to be able to do that, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, maybe three, four years before that, I'm mm -hmm. like, okay, well, I'm kind of working myself mm -hmm. to where I want to get. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes yeah. people don't do that because I think they get discouraged. Yeah, that is just you know bad news. But you know the mm -hmm. only way to find out how you could do it mm -hmm. is if you actually find out how you could do it. Yeah, and so yeah. Uh, I mean, eh, and shamefully, I'm like I, I've stretched it out to I'm like, oh okay, well that'd be cool if I one day I could get there. Yeah, but you yeah, know, kind of planning towards it. Yeah, and, and then it happened. Yeah, <laughs> you. That's the word I'm gonna look for. Manifestation, yeah. bro. Manifestation, and to touch on that is they don't want to feel discouraged. I think one of the things I said before was. People are afraid of rejection. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. The fear that they don't qualify. I don't know why a lot of people have that in the back of their heads, but they're like, no, I could buy a house couldn't be me. Yeah. It could never be me. And in reality, it could be. You're just too afraid to take that first step. Yeah. You know? But once you take back, get past that first step, it shouldn't be too bad. Yeah. You know? Yeah, no, I mean, I think the difference a lot of times, right? Like mm -hmm. even if you know financially or credit wise like mm -hmm. it, it doesn't look great mm -hmm. the difference between the person who actually you know gets it done versus that the, the one that doesn't mm -hmm. is just actually taking the person yeah, that took that step yeah, yeah because i mean there's some people that have some horrible like profiles mm -hmm. um and however they did it they you know they got it done and they were able to you know fix certain things without mm -hmm. you know doing anything crazy yep and you know eventually got to it yeah because i've seen that i'm like wow i'm surprised and yeah i bet it happened yeah yeah it's like <laughs> It's like picking up a. Let's just say it's like picking up a hobby, right? You can you can always walk by that hobby store. Let's just let's just use an own analogy or yeah. whatever. Like you can always pass. Like oh yeah, I always wanted to do that. I'll just pass by it every day and think about it. But the moment the person that's actually going to accomplish that or finish that goal is going to be the person that walks in there and starts doing something. You know what I mean? Yeah. So just just start. Take your first step. Yeah. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so. Um, but on to that one. The next one we'll talk about is like VA loans, right? Okay. So ver veterans and active duty uh, employees. Let's start off with active duty. So for active duty, the income documentation we're definitely going to need is your LES, which essentially just gives us an idea of what you're making or what they pay you for uh, the job or role you're playing in right now. Um, and maybe it even includes whether or not you get like some housing income through your VAH. 
Um, if you're relocating, we're going to need your transfer orders. If you're just starting, we're just going to need your initial orders. That way we know that you're going to be living in the area you're going to be living in, especially if you're transferring and you're asking me, let's just say you're coming from Virginia to Las Vegas. I, I need to know that you're going to actually be living here because VA, you have to be yeah. in a primary residence. Now, if you're a veteran, there are a couple of ways you can, you might have your um, pension or retirement and, or you might be a veteran who also receives disability. So I'm just going to need the award letters stating how much you make or how much you're going to be receiving from those things. So for them, they're pretty yes. easy and straightforward. Um, the VA, uh, myself, honestly, I've, I've only had one VA transaction. Really? Yeah. Just one? <laughs> uh, yeah. it was, uh, it was somebody that I knew, mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, like, I, I think I talked to them for like about six months before, you know, uh, you know, going through consultation. Sometimes mm -hmm. I go to people's, you know, homes, apartments, whatever it is, just to kind of talk about things. Mm -hmm. Now, I, in those days, I was pretty ignorant of what, you know, the VA actually was able to do. Mm -hmm. um, and most people, I think, if they were in the military a long time ago, mm -hmm. um, you know, somebody that's like serving now and mm -hmm. at least the, the last 10 years, right? But if, what if it's been 15 years uh, and, you know, like financially, you really weren't ready for that or you, mm -hmm. you weren't married. Mm -hmm. uh, all those things like, uh, I think people, well, in my perception of it is like a lot of times, they 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 mention the VA uh, advantages a lot of times, mm -hmm. uh, and I think you know VA or military people get bombarded with so many things, mm -hmm. um, so they don't really get to take full advantage of uh, what's available for them. Mm -hmm. uh, but if they do, uh, man, it has some great power. VA in general, just being a veteran or an active duty member, like I had a lot of friends when I was younger that were mm -hmm. in the military. You can take advantage of so many things, and I get that some of them aren't the most efficient things, like mm -hmm. the VA hospital and stuff, oh, yeah. but mm -hmm. it's still a great benefit to have. You know what I mean? You're, you're getting all these, uh, additional things, right. To help you. And one of the great best things, I love VA loans when I, I've done a good amount of VA loans already. Um, my favorite thing about the VA loans is that the guidelines and being able to qualify somebody is a little bit smoother in my opinion. In some cases, it's a little bit more of a pain in the butt. There are some things that are a little bad about it mm -hmm. but most of the va loans i've had to do are some of the easiest most straightforward loans we've done right yeah. um so just getting out there and taking advantage of that va benefit yeah. is going to be great and on top of that va loans on usually have more competitive rates oh, yeah. and the fact that you're paying zero down is another key thing mm -hmm. and if you're a disabled veteran to a certain extent um just like an FHA loan, they have a uh, fund, not a funding fee. There's an additional fee that they, I think it is a funding fee. Um, there's an additional fee attached to it that we normally finance into the loan. But if you're a disabled vet, we don't even charge that either. Yeah. So there's, again, a lot of benefits to actually yeah. uh, taking advantage of that. So I will say this. I did just, I actually just closed on a loan recently mm -hmm. with a vet where I think he only paid closing costs and everything. 15 or $1,800 out of pocket to get into a house, yeah. which is actually just cheap as heck. That's even cheaper than getting into rental right now, to be honest with you. So, you know, take advantage if you can, man, yeah. you know, and I'm pretty sure buyers out there are willing to sell the belt to veterans. Honestly, I, I wish I could um, get more clients uh, or, you know, be more in touch or have, you know, that base. I just never really have. 
Yeah. Um, but um, but from, from what I see, right? So mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, competing on listings and things like that, we get to see, you know, what kind of offer they accepted. Mm-hmm. So when I see that a house that they beat us on, on the offer and I see it says VA, I'm mm-hmm. like, uh, yeah. I was like, that makes sense. Yeah. Right? Like, <laughs> You know, yeah. the down payment option, mm-hmm. uh, closing costs, if they actually need it or not, right? Like they mm-hmm. have that power mm-hmm. to leverage either or. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so that makes a big difference. Yeah. Uh, they come in and, you know, make strong offers just mm-hmm. because, you know, they just feel probably a little bit more secure as far as, you know, the yeah. home goes, the rate, all those things just kind of end up being a, a better situation, which, yeah. you know, that's a benefit of it. They serve. The, it's a, a great mm-hmm. option for them. Yeah. And it's that flexibility of being able to use the money instead of using it on the down payment on yep. something else, right? So that's, those are the benefits, guys. If you're VA, yeah. call us. Um, so now the next ones, I think I touched on this a little bit before. Um, clients that have an LLC or a corporation or partnership, you're going to need your LLC docs um, or your corp docs. Um, if you have more than one owner and you're only one of them, we're going to need your K1, which uh, tells us what part, what percentage of partnership uh, you are. That way we understand how much of that income to take into consideration. Um, I will say that usually doing loans with businesses are a little bit more complex, but still doable. Yeah. You know what I mean? And if we don't go the regular route, there's always alternative routes for, for business owners. Yeah. Um, the next set is married. So we'll start off with this. FH, if you're married and you're buying a house in a something called a community property state, which is here in Las Vegas, Nevada, mm-hmm. California, Arizona, and a few other states here on the West Coast. I'm not sure if there are any in the East Coast. But if you're married and you're going to use do a government loan, which include VA, FHA, USDA loans, you have to include your spouse's debts against your income, even if they're not going to be on the loan. Yeah. So that's a key thing that you guys should consider. Um, so I always recommend like, hey, if they're going to, if they're working and they have decent credit, still put them on the loan. It doesn't really matter. Just yeah. it'll probably benefit you more. Um, but that's one of the things that, married people should know um does uh does their score affect the other not if they're not gonna be on the loan right so i just have to count the debts because you are again what we talked about earlier is you're responsible for those debts as well like co-signing it's like co-signing unfortunately in a community property state Mm -hmm. uh but just make sure that you understand that that's going to be the case and making sure that your partner knows that you're going to be running their credit regardless if they're going to be in the loan or not Everyone conventional, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. But FHA, USDA, and VA loans for sure, hundred mm-hmm. percent. Um, the other thing is, it, are they going to be on title? If they're not going to be on the loan or title, um, they may be required to sign something called a quit claim deed mm-hmm. through title, just to make sure that they know that they are. I'm not hundred percent sure what that really entails, but I'm assuming or think that it has to do with them not having any ownership interests in the property. Yeah, correct. I think, right. Uh, the, the idea of it. Uh... <laughs> the idea, idea of it, it is, uh, they're aware that you know they're giving up their rights on the property in but my opinion overall, you know like i'm yeah. sure that if that ever shows up uh no, talk court, to a lawyer i'm sure that it'll probably show up and be like well, well let's think about this for a second uh i don't know i will never advise you to do either or that is up to you and your lawyer yep. okay but i'm telling you what you might need yep. Um, and then if you're divorced, now let's get to the next level of marriage. Um, you may need a few things. It really depends on the divorce, but we're going to definitely need the divorce decree. The divorce decree is a document that will lay out everything that was settled or um, agreed on yeah. in, the, in the divorce, um, whether both agreed or one person just really got everything. 
Um, but you're gonna we're gonna see if you're looking if you're paying alimony, and right? And then if you're paying child support. Yep. Yeah, people are very uh which you know, kind of rightfully so, right? Mm -hmm. Very touchy about mm -hmm. uh the divorce decree, right? Yeah. And like, well, why do I need it? You know, it was like ten years ago. Mm -hmm. I'm like, you better put it in a safe yeah. yeah. whatever however many marriages you have. Uh, the divorce decree is very important. <laughs> and ever. Yeah, yeah. As <laughs> it was a big part of your life, and it's now going to stick with you forever, guys. Mm -hmm. um, but you're going to need that divorce decree, or remember the lawyer that did it. But like he said, make sure you have a copy of it, man. What if that divorce lawyer goes out of business or something? Yep. Get a safe deposit box. Yep. Do something. Put it in a hard drive. Back it up somewhere. There's a lot of ways you can really save that, but it's going to be really, really important because we're looking to make sure that you don't have any other debt obligations. Yep. You know what I mean? Maybe you guys are still splitting on the house. Maybe, oh, maybe the property you have right now was actually supposed to go to your ex mm -hmm. and not you or vice versa. And there's 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 a lot of information you can uh, get from it. I'll, I'll give you a kind of a crazy one. Um, uh, we had one where, you know, they were in the process of it mm -hmm. um, and he was married mm -hmm. uh, and he wasn't going to be on the loan. Mm -hmm. But um, so he's married. Mm -hmm. So then on the uh, title search of other properties. Um, you know, his name came up because they had left it. And so, um, you know, we, we couldn't, uh, they couldn't do it, mm -hmm. uh, because, uh, he had pending child support and it was like a huge amount. Yeah. Uh, that was just, you know, but, but sitting on a cloud somewhere, uh, that was, you know, being ignored until that, uh, triggered it. Yeah. And, and, and they just totally collapsed the whole thing. Child support is one of those things, guys, just. Just remember your divorce decree, and I won't mention this every every podcast if it ever comes up, is don't lie to me. <laughs> yeah. Tell me what I need to know if I need to know it. Don't tell me what I don't need to know, right? And But child support and alimony are probably going to be some key things. The last thing I want is finding out you not tell me you were divorced. Then we're in contract and then I find out you're divorced and now I need to figure out what the child support is. And even if you're not divorced, if you're paying child support, just because you have to pay child support, I still may. Yeah. I still need to count it. Yeah. So make sure that you have everything you need and you're lined up with all that stuff. Um, and then the other things we're going to need is something we call REO in, our, in the business. Um, but it's basically any other properties, right? Um, just let me know if you own anything else. Do you have another mortgage right now that you're paying on? Maybe it was a primary Maybe it's a second home or investment property. Do you have any land? Because that comes up as well. I've had land come up like on the yep. East Coast because people buy a lot of land in the Midwest because it's really cheap. Mm -hmm. um, I don't, if you, Even if you don't have a payment, I still need to know because I need to pay, I have to consider those property yeah, taxes. taxes yeah. 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 I mean, I mean, that's one of the things I found out. Mm -hmm. uh, at first, when dealing with first time buyers, mm -hmm. generally they, they're not going to have any of that. Mm -hmm. And as you progress, you know, with different clientele, mm -hmm. um, like those things come up because then they're like, oh, well, you know, they have this other property that I'm like, what? Yeah. And then you're not a first time home buyer anymore, guys. <laughs> and that's where things can go south. Mm -hmm. You say you're a first time home buyer, but, but you co signed for your yeah. five yeah. years ago. Yeah. I will, I'll give you the definition of a first time home buyer according to HUD or the Housing Urban Housing of Urban Development. Um, the first time home buyer's definition means that you have never had any ownership interest in a property within the past three years. So if you just co-signed recently, you're not a first time home buyer. If you just sold your house two and a half years ago, you're not a first time home buyer. If you still own a home, even though you haven't lived in it 
for the past three years and you've been renting it, you are still not a first time home buyer because that house is still in your name. So you have to have had nothing in your name over the past three years, at least in order to be a first time home buyer. So be very, very weary about what kind of programs you're getting into, especially if you're not a first time home buyer, because some programs are designed specifically for first time home buyers and they will require you to be a first time home buyer. So just make sure. Yeah. 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 If, if I could ask you a question, yeah. uh, going back to the VA thing. Mm -hmm. So from my understanding of it, um, say, you know, somebody, uh, uh, was uh, stationed in Virginia. They own their property over there. They have a VA loan over there. Mm -hmm. They get situated over here mm -hmm. um, and they want to buy here. Are they able to keep the home in Virginia and buy with the VA here? Yeah. So uh, just to get in a little detail on that. So a veteran normally has something called a certificate of eligibility up to a certain amount that they can purchase homes on. Um, if they purchase in the East Coast or Virginia mm -hmm. and they use... Uh, X amount of their eligibility, as long as they have a sufficient amount of eligibility over here to do that, they can only in that circumstances, they can't just go around and start buying houses left and right because they're moving. Yeah. The only reason or the only actual exception to being able to have two VA loans is if you're actually being relocated from where you were in order to do it. Um, I did help some clients earlier this year with that. And it's not that hard to do. I'm just gonna need like a That's why I say I need your transfer orders in order to figure that out. Um, and then on once I get your credit pulled and all your application, I'm going to run your certificate of eligibility, do a calculation, figure out how much you have left over. Okay. So that way, if you want to keep it, you can keep that property. If you don't have enough, then you might have to pay some money out of pocket. You could still use the rest of your eligibility and just pay the difference in a sense. Okay. So, and, and is eligibility amount, uh, like a monthly amount? Or no, an eligibility amount is how much is, is all right. So you know how... FHA loans are, I would say, insured in a sense, up to a certain amount. Like they're making sure that the 20% is being covered through insurance okay, okay. or 25%. Okay. That's basically insuring the gap between the 20% down. Got it. Okay. Yeah, you know what I mean? Sense. That makes sense. So there's like, uh, I think most, I think with today, it's about 140 something thousand mm -hmm. or 25% of the, it's about 25% of whatever the current conventional loan limit is what the max eligibility of somebody that somebody can have. But it would be easier for somebody to come from the East Coast and use that eligibility over here because usually properties are a lot cheaper over there. Yeah. So they might have a sufficient yeah, amount of, of eligibility yeah. left over over here. But we'll let them know by just making sure that we'd run that and let them know where they stand with that. Right. If that's not going to be the case, then we'll just go with different options. You know what I mean? We can always go FHA if we had to and stuff like that. But if we can use VA, we're going to use VA. Yeah. You know? I learned something new. Yeah. <laughs> And I hope everybody else did too at the same time. Um, let me see. So the next thing we're going to go over is your bankruptcy and foreclosures. So if you had a bankruptcy within the last, I would just say seven years in general, make sure you get us those documentation, that documentation, because depending on what kind of uh, bankruptcy you had, it could limit your options in terms of what kind of program you can have. It'll determine how long you have to wait before you can actually purchase a home. Um, some of the debts that you might have included in those bankruptcies mm, might be important with, through the documentation um, and just the type of bankruptcy because there's like different ones, Chapter 7, 11, 13, yeah. and they're all a little bit different in their own way. Again, I'm not a lawyer. I don't know the differences. I just know I can read a guideline and it tells me what I have to do with it, but um, that's a really important documentation. Foreclosures are important. 
because we need to know if you lost a house within the last seven years. And short sales are important because it's these things are important only because they're going to determine your risk factor and they're going to determine whether or not we have a waiting period or not. Right. Those are the biggest things with these. Um, at the end of the day, what's really going to be hurting you or affecting you is how recent they were and how they're affecting your credit. Yeah. But it's still really important for you to um, still have all this documentation saved and making sure that you know what had happened yeah. beforehand. Yeah, and I, and I think, um, well, at least in my experience, you know, the last four years, it, it really wasn't, I guess, uh, an, I mean, it's, it's an important question, right? Mm -hmm. But it wasn't assumed that someone might have one. If it was pre-2018, you mm -hmm. assumed somebody had mm -hmm. a foreclosure, yep. a short sale, yeah. or something of the sort in mm -hmm. the credit because, you know, the, the, everybody was, yeah, correct, everybody had one. And so, Sorry, guys. That's my dog in the background that I can hear. Allow me a second. All right, good. <laughs> and so it's just you know it's it's something that uh, that is possible. Yeah. Um, and it just depends. It depends on the times. I mean, it was a very very normal question. Yeah. Okay, that's good. <laughs> All right. Sorry, guys. Again. All right. Uh, but it, yeah, I think I had a lot of when I have clients and I talk to them, I'm always like, hey, do you guys have any bankruptcies or foreclosures or anything? And they're like, yeah, the last time I had one was like in 2008 or 2013. Yeah. Right. And I'm like, I don't care anymore. <laughs> we're way past that. Uh, in the past seven years, have you had one? And they're like, no. I'm like, okay, yeah. we're good. Ready to move on at that point. So uh, again, just make sure that the key word there is the last seven years yep. or within the past seven years, whether or not you've had one of those. And if you had, make sure that you're fully prepared and fully upfront and um, transparent with your, with your lender. Um, and then there's relocations. And I know we talked about that right now a little bit with yeah. the VA. Um, it's a little different with VA. VA, obviously, like I said, you need transfer letters. But if you're just a normal person trying to do, you're just moving from one state to the other and you're going to not be working for the same company. If you're working for the same company, I'm just going to need like transfer documentation stating that the company knows you're moving here. Is your salary changing? Is anything changing in terms of your income position, all that other good stuff? Yeah. But if you're somebody who's getting a new job out here, there are a couple of ways you can go about this. The first one is depending on when we're going to close. If we're not going to close before you start the new job, we're going to need something called an offer letter and it being fully executed in any way. Like let's just say it's a contract and it has certain contingencies. It has to be a fully executed, met all contingencies uh, offer letter. Right. The, mo the most recent one that I've ran into with contingencies is somebody who's moving out here who's going to be like a nurse practitioner or a doctor because those do have contingencies. And that's based on them being able to get their licenses from the board, making sure they're passing the background test or background checks and a bunch of other stuff yeah. um, for someone with a regular job. Most of the time it's going to I just needed to state this. How many hours a week are you going to work minimum? Mm -hmm. What is your salary or hourly rate? And when do you start? If it doesn't have all three of those things, yeah. no, what am I going to do with that? Uh, you're going to start a job. Okay, but what are you making? Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, I'm going to make this much per hour. Well, how many hours are you going to work? You know, they, they all kind of help set the foundation of the, the numbers I'm going to need in order to get you to that house. Yeah. Um, but if you're going to start before you close, we're going to at least need one paycheck before closing. Yeah. But the offer letter is still important. Just to make sure that it, you know, yeah, lines up. Yeah, long term. Yeah. Coming set in place. Yeah, and if it's salary, it's a lot easier. Oh yeah. Yeah. Salary, uh, always like, 
I never hear any complaints from loan officers. Because <laughs> salary so easy. <laughs> <laughs> I find salary, I was like, oh, yeah, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Done. Here you go. You're good. You're good to go. The salary, man, it's so easy. It, you, you just look at the salary and sometimes, you know, people get bonuses and that's just a bonus for them as well. But salary is just probably one of the easiest things to calculate. Yeah. And it's usually a lot more straightforward because I'm not calculating income. I'm not asking you why you're working less hours. It's just yeah. so simple. Um, and then the other one we have is retired or disabled buyers. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. Um, so with the retired ones, it's pretty straightforward. Like I'm just going to need your, if it's your pension, I'm going to need your pension letter states how much you're going to be receiving for how much time. Um, if it's, uh, let's just say social security, mm -hmm. obviously you get an award letter every year for that. Um, if you're getting your money from like retirement accounts, some of those have, uh, something called like, uh, a mandatory withdrawal each year. Mm -hmm. We'll just need those documentations kind of proving that if you're going to be using that as income, um, if you're disabled disability, all the other good stuff, which is also an award letter that you receive from the government, yeah. um, SSI is what an award letter and that goes up every year. So it's always important to have the most recent up-to-date information when it comes to these that way you're maximizing your purchasing power okay. in a sense, right? Yeah, that makes sense. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pretty straightforward on that one. Um, but those are essentially, I think, the only ones I thought of. Do you have any that you've... Uh, Pre-qualifications? No, I'm talking about like like if you're retired or self oh, or, um, or disabled. No, I mean, I think, you know, like... Pretty much touching bases with everything else you said uh, prior to that, right? So, mm -hmm. uh, I guess when you reach their income, you kind of should already know mm -hmm. what their debts are and mm -hmm. all that because that locks them up. Yeah. If they're grandparents, it might have co-signed. Yeah. For the grandchild, it might have yeah. co-signed for the adult child. Yeah. The adult <laughs> uh, child. Or any of the above, right? So, then those yeah. things uh, will affect that retirement. And that's yeah. usually um, one of the things that when I have had uh, clients that are in that category mm -hmm. it usually uh, presents an obstacle because you know, mm -hmm. they have responsibilities that they give for somebody else mm -hmm. that usually uh, hurts um, their dti yeah so, the dti is really important when it comes to trying to figure out whether or not you qualify or your ability to repay the mortgage um, i will say one more thing to kind of uh, sum these things up is just because you get received child support or alimony um, or any of these other, uh, other forms of income, you do not have to, as long as it's income, you do not have to tell me about them. Mm -hmm. If you don't want to use those incomes, we don't have to use them. You know what I mean? Those are within your right to want to use them or not. If you have to pay them, I need to know. But if you want to yeah, use them as use income, them. Yeah. uh, you don't have to tell me these things. So just an FYI, cause some clients might be a little bit, like you said, a little with not withdrawn, but. May not just want to talk about those yeah, things in a sense, like right? Not, yeah, it's not something that uh, it's important to them, I suppose, right? Mm -hmm. For the purpose of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I hardly have anybody be like, oh, yeah, I have my income and then I have this income. Mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. It's usually not a, a mm -hmm. thing. I mean, if anything, it might be icing on the cake if we're just trying to cross the line. Yeah, if we're just trying to get a little further, like, wait, you had this income? All right, let's go. Yeah. Um, and then there's also the income, I guess, if you have like a disabled child kind of situation. I didn't even bring that one up. Yeah. But those are other forms of income that, to consider. Yeah. Um, so, I've seen that. I never, yeah. I never closed one, but I had somebody that like, oh, what I get, um, the to give you an idea what it was, it mm -hmm. was, um, it was this lady. She was already close to retirement, but she was still working every day uh, mm -hmm. or 
but however many days I gave her. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but she had, you know, she already was getting social security mm-hmm. and, and, but she was also her mother's caregiver and her mother was already, I think late eighties or something. Uh, but she technically was getting an income from that. So mm-hmm. I mean, that was a surprising amount. Like I didn't know that was possible, mm-hmm. but you know, when somebody's trying to, qualify for whatever they're trying to do mm-hmm. um it definitely opens a, a door that uh, every, some people don't know that they have yeah every, every little bit helps to be honest with you sometimes you're really just trying to find that extra 50 or 100 bucks a month yeah. and in all honesty it really can get that mm-hmm. specific or that that small of an increment you know what i mean just to slightly get over those um those dti's in order to actually get the the accept eligible or the approve eligible yeah. from the automated underwriting system but you know, they're not required, but if it's something you're going to need and it's the way to get you into the house you want, just, you know, That's don't, yeah, just use it. Yeah, it is a benefit. It's a benefit because you're getting income and it's a benefit because it's going to get you into a house. So, but I will say this, make sure that for the most part, for these, some of these incomes, you got to make sure that you consider the fact that they have to be at least, you're going to be receiving for at least three years or more in the future. So we're going to be looking to that. Um, that said, there might be additional addition documentation you might need. These are just general standard docs I'll need for each individual like circumstance, but sometimes there may be other documentation or any other docs we might need. You know, every puzzle is different. Yeah. No one's the same, man. No one is. I have not ever had a file that's exactly the same in any way. You know what I mean? Especially the backstory, income, credit, all of it. There's... There's always a surprise, man. I'm surprised like that there's so many different ways that somebody, that everybody can, how different everybody can be financially. You know what I mean? So you are an individual. Um, let's get to the final one, man. The application submission. Okay. Um, so the application submission is going to be really important in a sense that you want to make sure you're, we already touched on all this stuff before and I brought it up. You want to be as accurate as possible, right? And you want to be as forthright as possible because the, Application is really going to be telling the story to me as a loan officer, to my processors, and to the underwriter as to who you are and kind of explain to them how eligible or how credit worthy you'll be in order to purchase this home. You know, so it's not just making sure you get us the right documentation, but it's also making sure you put input the right information yeah. when you're um, putting in that loan application. That even goes as little as how your name is spelled your social security number not being inverted, or you've lived over the past few years, employers, some people like to hop jobs a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's really important. Um, I guess credit, but we already talked about credit. You want to hear a, 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 I guess kind of a, a, I thought I didn't think it was funny at the time. Yeah, in retrospect. retrospect is hilarious, but at the time I was like, why didn't you like say anything? Yeah. Uh, like we were in the process and mm-hmm. like Santa came back and uh, the wife had, uh, had a name change. Oh, shoot. <laughs> like yeah. a name change, like yeah. in the middle of it or right before it. And yeah. then she just never brought that up or, or, or the husband never brought that up. And I yeah. was just like, wow. Like I didn't, yeah. I didn't know like that could even like be possible yeah. like, that somebody would be like, oh, I'm just which, you know, they're just living their life and mm-hmm. you know they have their reasons. Mm-hmm. It's perfectly normal, but mm-hmm. for our purpose, mm-hmm. like, you know, it definitely, you know, threw a wrench in things. It does. It makes it, it doesn't necessarily destroy the application process. It just adds, you think you're so close to the end and then something pops up and you're like, oh shoot, now we need this additional thing and that additional thing. And most of the time that's as far as it goes. Yeah. 
but I will say this. Sometimes if something else comes up, it always brings something else with it sometimes, you know? Um, and that's why I think the application submission is also very important in terms of how we input the information, how we set up your application, because the cleaner and more accurate the file, mm -hmm. the less likely the underwriter is going to be digging and digging for more yeah. little holes yeah. in a story. Less questions. Yeah. Less questions means easier loan. And I love less yeah. questions. It's really a better experience for them. Yeah. Because, you know, like mm -hmm. you're, usually everybody comes out of the, the loan process. Like, you know, out of a 12-round fight. Yeah. <laughs> you ever seen those memes? This is me today. And then at the end of it, this is what somebody looks like. That's kind of one of those memes sometimes with yeah. if it goes wrong or goes south. But, you know, as your loan officer and your real estate agent, like our job is really to try to not only guide you and get you to the end, it's to try to make it as smooth as we can. You know what I mean? There's always going to be bumpy roads. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's very far and few loans in be that I've ever had that I'm like, all right, here you go. And then it's done like with basically nothing. That's not going to happen very often. But yeah. most of the time, you know, just be yeah. prepared, but don't be discouraged. Yeah. You know? So, um, but yeah, the loan application or the loan submission, one of the biggest things I think is just making sure it looks good and making sure that you, we're all working together. You know what I mean? And just making sure it's looking perfect yeah. as it can be because nothing's perfect. No. No, no, no but it, it makes a difference. Yeah. The difference between being prepared and just kind of winging you. it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Being prepared is always the, I think, in my opinion, always the best thing. And if, just to talk on a personal aspect, my way of doing business is I'd rather be safe than sorry kind of situation. I know sometimes if I postpone things, it's more or less because I've seen something and I'm like, I just want to make sure that it, it's not going to come up later and bite us in the butt. Yeah. So I'd rather just nip it now, take care of it. And let's just get yeah. out there with and real I mean, reassurance. And, and us on the field out there, right? Like it's our reputation, mm, uh, yeah. which, you know, um, I think it's, you know, maybe some people don't care, but you know, mm -hmm. for the long game of this, like, you as a loan officer, right? Like mm -hmm. they really build reputations. Uh, don't know. Times. Don't know. Um, yeah. Because with the years, you're like, oh yeah, I remember, you know, that loan officer. Unfortunately, yeah. they remember only the bad. Like if you can be the perfect loan officer, but they'll remember the one bad thing. So always be as good <laughs> as you can be. And that's the same for real estate agents, man. Yeah. Um, one of the key things like the industry, especially as a real estate agent, there are thousands and thousands of agents registered, but in all honesty, only a handful of them are really working or doing any kind of business. Yeah. So it's it's a small world. Mm -hmm. So it's really important for for everyone involved. You know what I mean? Yeah, to yeah. No, to no. get everything. We all remember. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we all do. We all do. Um, but you know, I don't know. I always hear things about like, oh, this person did that and that person did this. But I'm just like, I'm like, oh, what happened? Like, whose fault really was yeah. it? Yada yada yada. So you always have to. I always listen to things like that with a grain of salt until I experience it Yeah, myself. Well, you know what I mean? Uh, uh, those are one of those things that, uh, well, for me, mm -hmm. as I matured, you learn that sometimes like you, said, you have to take things mm -hmm. with a grain of salt because, you know, somebody's perspective might not be the same of, you know, why it happened, why it happened, and, mm -hmm. you know, what they said. Yeah. It would be very different. Yeah. Three sides to every story, man. Yeah. That, for one person's side, the other person's side, and the 
actual <laughs> thing that happened, which you, most people will never get. Um, but those are essentially the things that we're going to be discussing today. Um, so do you have anything to add on to that? Um, man, I just went blank. That's all right. Uh, <laughs> well, I'll tell you what we talked about today. So yeah. today, just to kind of give you guys a quick sum up of what we talked about, um, we were just basically navigating the application process, which started from the real estate side all the way through submitting your loan application, um, gathering uh, your necessary documents. So we gave you a list of those and what happens or what you should be really focusing on when you're submitting the application. Um, I hope that these things really kind of help you and make it a little bit easier, make you feel more comfortable when it comes to purchasing a home. I know that um, it can be very scary kind of walking into this big whole purchasing a home into an unknown territory that you know nothing about. Yeah. And it's always great to feel at least a little bit more at ease. Yeah. And no, I, what I got to say is, I mean, I think the, the way you took this from, you know, beginning to end mm -hmm. uh, of the process is an excellent thing. So if somebody was actually, you know, looking to, mm -hmm. you know, uh, buy mm -hmm. and they're a first time buyer and they've never even glanced at anything, this is a, a really good way of, of looking at it and taking yeah. notes yeah, uh, because the first time buyer process is underrated mm -hmm. by a lot of people that have already been through it. And so people always forget that there's people that haven't bought a home mm -hmm. um, or that they bought a home 15, 20 years ago. And mm -hmm. that same process is not the same. Um, so you have to revisit it again. Mm -hmm. I think this is a really good guideline for that. Yep. I will touch only on the part that uh, I have had people help other people and saying that's not what you need to do. But I'm like, that was 10 years ago when you bought the house. So it's not the same, man. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I appreciate you coming by here and uh, helping me with this and, you know, being a part of it. Yeah, um, yeah, of course, man. And hopefully we do some more in the future. But that being said, guys, um, I really appreciate you guys coming by. Uh, I hope this was very educational. Hope this helped you guys out. If you are interested in learning more, go ahead and watch the other podcast or listen to the other ones that I have recorded. Um, if you guys like this, please go ahead and share it with anybody else you know that may be looking to purchase a home in the near future. But in the meantime, go ahead and like, share, subscribe, comment, or even leave me a review. And I hope you guys have a wonderful day. And thank you guys for stopping by.